Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Hugs! <laughs> uh, and you'll learn all about why that isn't as fun as it sounds uh, later <laughs> in this episode. This is the final episode in our series on Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, and I'm so glad that after this we can go back to talking about other awful cults that aren't the Nazis. We're going to get real weird with it in a few weeks after this, so it's it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but yeah, hey, look, this is a great episode. It does get a little sad at some points, but what do you expect is how the Nazis ended. Uh, yeah, but uh, before that, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash cultpodcast. Check out the tiers and rewards we have there. Uh, you could also listen to the show on Rooster Teeth. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go to com. download the app on a bunch of your devices, and uh, yeah, let's just get into it. Without any further ado, here's the show. Hello. 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 Don't drink the For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm the uber-vaccinated Armando Torres. And with us we have antibodies! Yay! Yay! Yeah, I... <laughs> I woke up, I told you before we started recording, I, I woke up uh, after getting five hours of sleep, which is pretty good for me. Yeah, it's and, pretty good for you, yeah. And then immediately walked over to my nearby Rite Aid and uh, got the booster shot. And then it was, uh, it was like playing... It was like playing a game of how long is this edible going to kick in, where <laughs> I kept feeling like, oh, oh, is that my arm going numb? Oh my God. Is it starting? No, no, wait. I was just sitting on it weird. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's very strange. I can feel myself becoming more tired and sluggish, but also I did eat a breakfast burrito, so it might be that. Have you tried fueling up with the healing powers of James Jonathan's Sandwich Emporium? <laughs> if Let I it could cleanse get- your soul. If I could get that Mussolini Italian sub, oh, <laughs> oh man, that's it. Yeah, I forgot about. <laughs> I had to explain to Charlotte, uh, the from Funhouse, the that bit that we were doing, James Jonathan Sandwich Emporium. Emporium, yeah. And so I explained the whole thing, and she goes, "What was this episode about?" And I go, "Oh, the Holocaust." <laughs> yeah, Nazis, the Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the worst possible things that you can think of in human history and she was like i'm not sure you guys are good people <laughs> hey hey yeah no, we're not either don't rub it in <laughs> 
No, she gets it. You got to make jokes about these awful fucking things because they're so unbelievably bad. Yep. And uh, you and I were talking a little bit before we recorded about how, like, I would say conservatively throughout this series, we've only covered, like, 40 40 percent of like all of the bad shit the nazis did yeah if all the bad shit the nazis did were a sub it'd be a foot long and we'd be covering a mini <laughs> exactly if you if we did a podcast about all the terrible things the nazis did it would just be its own podcast yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. the whole entire show because they <laughs> it would did just be nazi podcast <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nazi Podcast. I'm Armando Torres. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... A horrible idea for a podcast that no one wants to advertise on. Yavol! <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Arian Bud. Arian Bud. In, a, in, a, in the TV in the media room at a prison near you. Yeah, it would just be like us trying to beat Robert Evans to making that podcast. Like if we're being <laughs> real about it, the the idea that we would do it before him is unfathomable. We have an opportunity, though. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> go now. Now, 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 now. So uh, before we get it started, the sources for today's episode are Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. We have Hitler, A Study in Tyranny by Alan Bullock. The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich by William L. Shire. We have The Mind of Adolf Hitler by Walter C. Langer. Hitler by Ian Kershaw. And then finally, an article on Nazi birth rates by the BBC's History Magazine. Um <clears throat> Also, I wanted to issue a, a small clarification. Some of the events in this episode happen at the same time as events in the last episode. Uh, there's just so much going on that I wanted to give these two through lines their own episodes. And I'm sure it'll all make sense, but if it gets confusing at all, just stop me. Um, and if you, listening at home, start to get confused, just send a handwritten complaint to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, Sweet K number, K, 237. number 237. Like, like the Shining. The Nazis. Oh, no! <laughs> Los Angeles, California, 900 Reich 5. Could you imagine how much they would hate Los Angeles? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know how much they would. I mean, they hate... I mean, they, they do live in Santa Ana, but like, you know... <laughs> That's an inside Southern California joke. Uh, but Los Angeles proper, I feel like they're going to hate it. <laughs> for those of you wondering, the this, this section of, of California that we call the OC is known for Disneyland and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Both of which were founded by people who hate Jews. Funny yeah. enough. True. True. But only one of them has a frozen head and it's the Nazis. <laughs> Okay, so uh, over the last few weeks, we've covered the Nazis and their leader, Adolf Hitler. We started out with the philosophical birth of German nationalism, then learned about the stabbed-in-the-back myth. We covered the buckwild beliefs of the Thule Society, and finally, the rise of the Third Reich. Last week was a particularly hard episode because it was all about the Holocaust and James Jonathan Sandwich Emporium. So hard. So hard. Need more fiber. Really hard to push through it. Yeah. Stale like that day old French bread. Uh, today, we're going to focus on something that you don't see brought up all that often when people talk about the Nazis. 
what was it like living under the rule of Adolf Hitler? Obviously, for millions of people who weren't considered Aryan, it was a living hell. The crimes committed against the Nazis, uh, the crimes committed against what the Nazis called Untermenschen or subhumans, is fucking heartbreaking and terrible. But what was it like living in Nazi Germany as an Aryan? As we mentioned last week, a lot of us like to think of Germany during World War II as a country filled with supervillains. Just a bunch of sadistic fucks who cheered for blood in the street. Um, Like a Raiders fan, for example. (laughs) (laughs) A country full of Raiders fans. (laughs) Oh my god, that's a nightmare. Here's the thing, and I, I grew up in the Bay back when the Raiders played in Oakland, and I'm here to tell you, there were days when it's like, yeah, no, you stay away from the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if we if we had a uh, if we elected a Raiders fan president, the a country of America would be Mad Max by the end of the week. <laughs> but they'd fit right in. Like when you when you said Raiders president, I just pictured a guy half black, half silver face. Uh-huh tilted viking helmet yes like a silver viking helmet giant pimp goblet Mm -hmm. with the raider logo on it just screaming and i was like yeah that's don't alter your first draft at all that's it yeah that's my uncle marco dog (laughs) oh man he's a super chill guy loves methamphetamines anyway (laughs) (laughs) i mean can i be honest with you i only know one person that like in my life today, like this was different growing up because we lived close, but modern day, I only know one person that consistently wears Raider Raiders logo wear on a regular basis. And they are also into methamphetamine. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not saying all Raiders fans, no. but I am saying, please don't come for us. Uh, yeah. We're friendly. We didn't mean it. Uh, we didn't say anything. I don't know what you're talking about. I am a Raiders fan (laughs) by default. I grew up in Los Angeles, California, and therefore I'm a card-carrying member of the Raiders and Dodgers fan club. Anyway, for the most part, this wasn't the case. Um, Now, again, I'm not trying to say this to absolve anyone of guilt, okay? Clearly, Nazi Germany was just as bad as the Raiders fan base, if not slightly worse. Okay. Okay. They're going to shiv us in our sleep. They know where we live. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. Paige, they're tailgating outside my house now. Oh, well, you know, go down there and see if there's any Tecate left. Ooh, I'm going to get a burger cooked in a file cabinet. I'm just picturing a file cabinet on fire in back of a van that has a for sale, like a handwritten for sale sign in the window. Like they're still trying to sell that van. Oh my God. I, yeah, we don't have to keep talking about it, but I, I want you to know that not only did I grow up with a stepdad who was a sports fan, like a huge sports fan, we tailgated so many different events. I'll tell you how fucking trash my family was. We tailgated fucking nascar event and even wait, wait that's that's a very uh, how do i describe this aryan pastime yeah, exactly <laughs> 
it was fucking crazy. We tailgated uh, racing events that weren't NASCAR. They were like under, like regional NASCAR. Jeez. We fucking did that. I guess the equivalent of uh, college football, except race car drivers never go to college. <laughs> I mean, that's not entirely true. I went to high school with a girl who, who raced and she uh, has a degree in archaeology and is actually a pretty <laughs> damn good racer. But I feel like that maybe that's not the norm. I don't know. Her parents were very adamant about her going to college. I'm sure once you get to like NASCAR level, uh, you know, having a degree goes up. There's a whole fucking South Park episode on that where they're like, NASCAR racers are dumb. And then they show actual NASCAR racers and they're like, yeah, so the traction of the field was actually changed <laughs> by the consistency of the rain. And because of that, we had to change the axle by four degrees like you know they're they know what they're fucking doing <laughs> anyway i'm not saying any of this shit to make you feel bad for the nazis okay we're a podcast that covers cults and our goal is to understand why people follow leaders even when things start to get a bit questionable and as we've seen time and time again it's always because life is ass i feel like that's a statement that is always true the sky is blue life is ass yep we should put that on shirts. If we could manage to get supplies for oh shirts. Fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah. Just, new shirt. The sky is blue. Life is ass. If I could manage to order twelve more than 12 shirts at a time, I Jeez would definitely crackers. do it. Yeah, it is upsetting right now. I know. Um, we, and we still have two or three shirt designs that we like have that we've just never oh, been yeah. able to make. Yeah, I got news about that that we can share after. There may be more merch coming in a different location, and I'm very, very excited about it. But we'll see how that works out. Um, Now, as far as this goes, I'd like to point out that when he ran for president, Adolf only received 43% of the votes. The Nazi party did hold the most seats in German parliament, but they didn't hold enough to hold a majority. During their rise, the political landscape of Germany was a clusterfuck, and the group owed a lot of their success to the wrongful framing of liberal and communist politicians. On top of that, it was as we've kind of talked about before, most people who supported the Nazi party did so not out of a wish to directly physically harm Jews and other minority groups, but out of a desire to return Germany to its pre-war state. Um, to put it in the simplest of terms, the reason that people supported the Nazis was because they believed that it would make things go back to normal. They didn't want total domination of Europe. That's not to say not everyone did because the military sure as fuck yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the average German and the average uh, supporter of the Nazi party was like, life is fucking terrible. I just want to go back to the way things were before we did that other war that nobody wanted. Ah, uh, make Germany great again. Where have I heard this exactly <laughs> almost immediately after adolf hitler became the fuhrer life continued to change and not change back it changed forward and in a lot of ways worse it turns out that their new dictator cared less about returning germany to its way of life before and more about punishing those who he thought were responsible for the treaty of versailles Anyone or anything that was seen as not conforming to the Nazi ideal had to be put down. And for the Aryan citizens of Nazi Germany, this meant individualism and personal goals were the first to go. 
every German was responsible for modeling their life after the new Aryan ideal. The Nazi ideal was someone who was Christian, wholly devoted to their family, and fiercely patriotic. And while this might sound like a somewhat wholesome, if not slightly problematic paradigm, it's a hell of a lot more complicated than it seems. Each of these things, Christianity, families, and patriotism, had been quote-unquote Nazified. So what does that mean? Let's start at the top with Christianity. According to the 1939 census, the Aryan population of Germany was 54% Protestant, 40% Catholic, and 6% agnostic or atheist, Um, which is something that kind of surprised me. I think they said 3.5% of these people uh, of that, like, last uh, choice, uh, they had a word for them, which was basically, like, it translates to, like, but also God, yeah, sure. It basically mm, meant, like, mm. I believe that God exists, but I don't believe I'm in... just not sure it's this one. Well, yeah. Or it was either that or, like, I'm just sort of anti-clerical. Like, I love God. God and me mm. are chill. But, like, I don't really get down with the church. So mm. I'm mm. just going to sort of do my own shit. And Hitler's dad was one of those people. He was anti-clerical. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, it was something that sort of shaped Hitler moving on. Uh... In his speeches and his book, Mein Kampf, Adolf describes himself and the Nazi movement as Christian, but he, in reality, absolutely hated religion. The Bible tells us to be devoted to one another in love and to honor each other above ourselves. You know, love thy neighbor and all that shit. Yeah. But a key tenet of Nazism was survival of the fittest. And yeah, and turn in your neighbor yeah, instead of yourself. Exactly. Uh, only the strongest can survive doesn't really mix well with a lot of Jesus's teachings about like helping people out and being a cool dude. Yeah, I mean, specifically when Jesus said, "Whenever whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So it's this idea of like, anytime you're helping someone who is poor or not able to help themselves in one way or another, which meant different things through de- throughout different cultures. But it's basically this idea of like, whenever you are reaching out to someone else in love to help where help is needed, you are helping me. You are exemplifying the type of relationships I want you to have. Exactly. And because of stuff like that, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but Adolf thought that Christianity was for pussies. Um <laughs> He, this is, this is not paraphrasing. This part is real. He said that Christianity was meek and flabby. He said that, uh, it was a religion that sort of coddled the weak, which was not something that he wanted in his perfect society. I'll tell you what though, there were two other religions that Adolf Hitler really admired and it was, uh, Islam and Japanese traditional religions because he had a, a, a deep misunderstanding of the tenets of them and thought that a big part of it was using your military to go force this religion on other people. Oh, geez. I mean, this is very, it, it reminds me of how, uh, I guess, I mean, it's, it's like 10 years ago. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but. Uh, the prevalence of Ayn Rand in our own government Mm -hmm. and Ayn Rand's ideals that charity is essentially coddling people and that it's not worthwhile and investing in helping the, you know, members of society that maybe are not as strong or not able to, you know, contribute in the ways that we would 
typically think of for most of society that that's not worthy of doing it's basically like hardcore eugenics yeah uh, and so it worries me whenever i see it in our i it worries me right now when people are like yeah just go outside uh you know omicron's gonna pick off who it's gonna pick off because like that's eugenics thinking also kind of yeah. so yeah that's not good yeah it's it's all fucking terrible and also plus once the nazis rose to power they thought that it would be a risky move to have an autonomous establishment whose legitimacy didn't come from the government um Mm. especially if that autonomous establishment took notes from the pope who was pretty adamantly anti-nazi like very clearly did not like the nazis or adolf hitler I mean, this is this is the story of, you know, Henry VIII making his own Church of England in some cases where it's like you still want it to be the church to exact moral authority over people, but you Mm -hmm. don't want it beholden to any other political influence other than yourself. Right, Paige, and you don't know how right you are. Uh, oh, shit. Because the Nazi solution was to establish a new church that they called Positive Christianity. Uh, While regular Christianity relied on faith in Christ as the son of God, positive Christianity relied on faith in Adolf Hitler as the herald of a new revelation. Oh, jeez, that's terrifying. The religion promoted that uh, he was the German Messiah sent to liberate the world from the Antichrist, a.k.a. Jews and other minorities who had power in the world. Um, positive Christianity also rejected any Jewish written parts of the Bible, including the entire Old Testament. Um, and they also claimed that Jesus was actually a non-Jewish Aryan with blonde hair and blue eyes. Uh, and they advocated for the creation of the Aryan homeland, which would serve as Mecca for the Nazi movement. Um, the New Testament was essentially rewritten to depict Jesus Christ as a militaristic fighter and organizer working to overthrow the corrupt institution of Judaism. Which, like, if you think about some of the things that happen in the New Testament, you can sort of see how you could make a narrative out of that. But it also misses the entire point of the Bible and the story of Jesus. Yeah, well, that's also something we went over uh, in our speculations on where we talked about biblical canonization, mm-hmm. um, where there were factions of Judaism at the time that believed that Jesus's purpose was to conquer and overthrow Rome. And when that didn't happen, that kind of changed how they related to the message. I just think it's also very funny that they're like, oh, we're going to remove all the Jewish parts of the Bible. And I'm like, well, the New Testament was written a lot by disciples who were also jewish so like i don't know like who where are you gonna draw the line uh but it sounds like they rewrote the whole thing yeah. um yeah well. it sounds like instead of the bible we got the hero or the the hero of a thousand faces we just got a basic story circle of you know old-timey john McLean, basically That's- pretty much exactly what happened and i mean remember that hitler's mentor took pierre gint a story about how if you never live life you're never truly living a life and turned it into a story about a german messiah who came to defeat the evil jewish trolls (laughs) yeah it's you know they he's got a history of taking uh uh established stories and turning them into nazified garbage nonsense yeah 
So opposition to these changes were met with violence, assassinations, and arrests. During the Night of the Long Knives, when Adolf purged the SA leadership, he also had several Catholic leaders killed, too. In Nazi Germany, any religion besides following Hitler was outlawed. So what about being devoted to your family? How could being devoted to your family possibly be bad? Well, the new emphasis on fam family and building a family was actually a plan to offset the falling birth rates. Um, during times of war, especially of the world variety, people are considerably less horny. Um, and maybe not less horny, but maybe less gung-ho to start a family. I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, there's more busting on backs during the war, probably. Good gravy. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm I like as someone who is married and of childbearing age, I'm not going to say that it doesn't factor into my choice whether or not to let people dump it all in me. <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you question it because you're like, well, what kind of world would they be born into? Absolutely. Every single time I'm about to bust, I check the Dow and I'm like, yeah. how are things doing? <laughs> Where do I fit in? How many paintings of trump on a cross do i see on facebook <laughs> this morning yeah <laughs> uh, but it also didn't help that the nazis were big fans of a horrible little thing called eugenics uh, so was the state of california we uh, it's one of those things that's not great about our history but we were like super good at it for a while oh yeah because the nazis borrowed the idea from a bunch yes, of dickheads called californians yep yeah yeah they did yeah it was sorry guys it was purely like this was something that we've talked about it before and it surprised me back then i didn't realize that the nazis sort of built their entire eugenics program off of what we were already yep. doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we didn't take it to the final solution no. the same way they did, but we did other shit that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't. It, the, the American eugenics program, especially that in California, did not take it to the extent that the Nazis did. But like we've I know what you're trying to say both horrible neither one yeah. is good yeah i mean I, we didn't gas a bunch of people but we forced a lot of sterilizations and so like oh, yeah. you know yep. like yeah. we're not we you know our hands aren't clean that's so, what i'll say in case you're wondering what we're talking about the idea was that if you suppress unwanted genes and promote strong superior genes then you could theoretically game evolution to create some type of superhuman uh the idea being that like well, like we talked about earlier, if if everyone susceptible to COVID gets COVID and dies, then theoretically everyone left to reproduce should be strong against COVID. Um, that's not how it works. And honestly, there's no way to factor in which genes are theoretically strong. Like I think I was reading that the same gene that gives you or makes you more or whatever, something having to do with sickle cell is also the gene that prevents you from getting malaria which is like oh. you think you oh. you think you might take one out but if you do that then you're more susceptible to another thing and also that long prolonged interbreeding um will make you 
less defensible. It'll make your your gene pool less diverse and sort of ruin your shit over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less varied. Yeah. So that's sort of uh, the ballpark idea. In order to ensure that only the strongest Aryan babies were born, the Nazis practiced sterilization and euthanasia. In 1933, the Nazis passed the sterilization law, which forced any citizen, not just those who were in uh, institutions, but any citizen of Germany who suffered from a list of supposed genetic disorders to be sterilized. This list, by the way, contains a bunch of things that are not genetic at all, it, and it, which shows sort of a misunderstanding of, uh, of genetics in general by people yeah, yeah, yeah. who are claiming to be experts. The list included things like schizophrenia, bipolarism, epilepsy, blindness, deafness, alcoholism, and even homosexuality. I, okay. Um, did they really need to sterilize the homosexuals? Like I, I was going to fucking that. say the same thing. <laughs> like this sounds terrible, but I'm like, okay, though. But like, we didn't need to do that one. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, you probably didn't. You probably could have asked them, like, we don't want you to have babies, and you're like, what do you, what do you mean? And they're like, we don't want you to bust in woman, and they're like, oh god, no. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine, but. You know, you're looking but, pretty I mean, cute. What's your name? And the guy's no. like, Ernest. <laughs> this is one of many things in a long line of horrible things that the Nazis did to the LGBTQ community. Yeah. But this also, for me at the moment, seems the most nonsensical. Yeah. Um, and sometimes hate is stupid. And we should laugh when people do stupid things with their hate. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I'm glad that we got a laugh at because here's here's the here's the sad part. By the end of the Nazi regime, over four hundred thousand people were sterilized against their will. That is an insane number of people. Similarly, institutionalized adults and newborn children diagnosed with these and other physical disabilities were euthanized. Adolf and his medical advisors claimed it was to cut costs that were being spent on a life unworthy of life. That was an actual phrase that the Nazis used in their sterilization and euthanasia campaign. And it is believed that over 300,000 people were murdered under this directive, both in Germany and in some areas the Nazis occupied. <clears throat> So in order to counteract these killings and sterilizations, the Nazis founded the Liebensborn program. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I have to clarify, I'm not cheering because I'm happy they did it. Uh, I find this to be a very fascinating aspect of Nazism, and I hope you're going to get into some of the famous Lebensborn that lived through the program. So, yeah, I, I did I did look into it, and I, I was really only able to find one. <laughs> there's, there's really only one. There's, there's the one yeah. famous Lebensborn, yeah. There surely is. So, uh, in order to counteract the, the killings and the sterilizations, uh, they came up with a plan. The idea was to pair unmarried women with SS officers for the sole purpose of procreation. The babies would be taken by the government and then raised by married Aryan parents. Um, and like Paige and I are referencing, one of these famous uh, babies was uh, one of the members from ABBA. And I looked them up and <laughs> the fucking article that I read is uh, in parentheses that said more famously known as the red one from ABBA. <laughs> 
Be, well, because she has red hair, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you look at Abba, you would think it would be the other one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like the, the other girl in Abba is Nordic princess. Like mm-hmm. exactly what you think of when somebody says Nazi Aryan. And then they're like, no, no, no. It's the other one was the one the Nazis bred. Absolutely. Yeah. So I read an article where they interviewed a woman who signed up for the Liebensborn program. And now, obviously, not everyone had the same experience, and even fundamentally, the program is morally wrong, racist, and incredibly stupid. But the way she tells it, it also sounds pretty fucking hot, Paige. (laughs) No, Mondo, no. We are not going to sexualize the Liebensborn. Her name was Hildegard. And she was described as, quote, the perfect example of a Nordic woman with long legs and a longer trunk. Translation, this bitch got hella ass, Paige. She (laughs) fucking caked up, baby. I know that's what they meant, but my brain went to elephant trunk and I was like, what the fuck were they trying to breed? (laughs) Yeah, the article I read was old as shit. So when I when it said and a longer trunk, I meant what is it? Does she have like a bunch of clothes or something? I don't understand. I had to look it up. A lengthier torso, which allows her to have, you know, dead ass. (laughs) So when Hildegard was 18. She signed up for the Liebensborn program and was taken to a swanky castle in Bavaria where she ran a few tests and lived a life of luxury. I'm talking free five-star cuisine, a spa, your own personal movie theater. This place had it all. And after a few days, she was introduced to a group of tall, blonde, blue-eyed hunks. Over the course of a week, the men and women were instructed to socialize, play games, and just generally get to know each other. And afterwards, you picked out your partner based on who who you vibed with the most. And, uh, and then you and your partner would engage in a three-day-long fuck session where you just kind of hung out and banged constantly. I mean, like... The reason they're doing a lot of this is to try and promote an ideal, like, scenario for both conceiving but then also carrying those children. Yeah. And, like, if it weren't for nefarious reasons, Mm -hmm. I could see how it would sound amazing. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still racist and bad. Yeah, but here's the thing. I feel like if you cut back on the racism just a little bit, we could sell this to Pornhub as the first X-rated reality show. Think about oh, it. Oh, I'm I'm here to tell you they already have X-rated reality shows. What? Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah. Damn. Well, where am I supposed to pitch Fuck Castle to, Paige? I I mean, I'm pretty sure they call it Fuck Mansion now because of our mm. lack of castles, yeah, but yeah, like yeah, I yeah, bet yeah. if you just Google Fuck Mansion, You'll find what you're looking for. I probably will. Also, I don't want to use the term fuck castle because people are probably going to think it's the other porn parody of the show Castle, which is just called (laughs) Fuck Castle. (laughs) I'm here to solve this murder, but also I don't have money for the cap. (laughs) I'm going to solve this murder and also figure out who who ordered this pizza with extra sausage. (laughs) But it just still stars Nathan Fillion. Do you know how many people would watch that? So many. Ugh, just Nathan Fillion fucking it out. I'd watch it. I mean, out of curiosity, absolutely. But there's also a bunch 
a bunch of nerdy girls who would be like, I've been waiting for this my entire life. (laughs) It'd be like if I was sitting at home one day and the news was like, Henry Cavill does porn. I'd be like, where is it? Oh, my God. (laughs) Just send me the link. Damn it. Uh, the Liebensborn program was responsible for the birth of over 20,000 children and only Jeez. one rock star. Um, yeah, that, I mean, not a great track record. No. Like, if these are supposed to be, like, superhumans and you only got one rock star? Yeah, and she didn't even keep her fucking blonde hair, all right? So, like... Yeah, she's the red one. Yeah. <laughs> she fell to the communists of hair color. Also, uh, that article that I read, it's from the BBC's History Magazine. It's a good read because listening to this woman describe her story is so funny. She was like, the man that I was paired with was so unbelievably attractive, but it was also clear that he was incredibly stupid. (laughs) And and she's just describing like, he's so dumb, but God damn it, the dick is too good. (laughs) Oh, man, that's so funny. I I feel bad, (laughs) but at the same time, I'm like, I mean, what can you expect? Like, these these are people picked purely for their physical attractiveness that are so attractive, they would have never had to cultivate personalities. So, like, of course they're stupid. Oh, I love it. Love it. As Hate he was, it, as he was it. putting it in me, I realized he was only three IQ points away from a Raiders fan. Oh, no. I That's am... three whole IQ points total. <laughs> Sorry. I am Werner Herzog. Welcome to my pussy. Anyway. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Liebensborn program and the emphasis on family was very important to the Nazis. In fact, any... And the Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise. <laughs> exactly. What do the Fast and Furious franchises and the Nazis have in common? Family. <laughs> Oh, my God. Paul Walker, perfect Aryan, am I right? Oh, I mean, yes. Yeah, unless unless he's going by Pablo, then not so much. Uh, that's what Vin Diesel calls Paul Walker, by the way. I just Well, he also calls out. The Rock little brother. Oh. So, <laughs> like, I feel like Vin Diesel's nickname game needs work. Vin Diesel's such a fucking moron. God damn it. <laughs> Any woman who gave birth to four or more children, was awarded the Cross of Honor of the German Mother, which was a real military medal that was given out if you had four or more children. Hey, I know your bladder is a fucking disaster and you wet your pants when you sneeze, but Mm -hmm. here's this piece of metal. Oh, what's that, honey? You got a purple heart? Well, I got the pink pussy, so... You know, maybe I'm more of a hero to, to to the country than you are, dickhead. I feel like it'd be a purple pussy after four kids getting a little bruised down there. Yeah. (laughs) I hiccuped in in disgust. (laughs) Lastly, we have patriotism. How could you Nazify patriotism? Well, look, here. I'm an American, okay? I'm no stranger to patriotism sounding good on paper, but actually being a hot mess of racism, xenophobia, and personal politics. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God damn it. So obviously, patriotism in Nazi Germany meant being nationalistic and fully supporting the Nazis throughout all of these horrible ideas that we have mentioned throughout this entire series. 
But it turns out that this might have been the hardest one to enforce because you can't actively police a person's literal thoughts. And as the Nazis imposed more and more rules on their followers, people started to resent them. And resentment leads to rebellion. And rebellion leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah, like Yoda. (laughs) Absolutely. It was clear to everyone that Germany was gearing up for a war with the rest of Europe. And historically speaking, that wasn't a super dope idea for Germany. But speaking out against the Fuhrer and his ideas was a surefire way to get arrested and possibly killed. But even that didn't stop some of the military's top brass from talking shit on the low. Adolf had promised to overturn the Treaty of Versailles, and a lot of conservatives shared that goal. A lot of conservatives that happened to be members of the military. What upset them, however, was how Hitler went about doing it. Hitler wasn't about small change over time. He was about big, flashy gestures that seemed like they were meant to upset the Allies. In direct violation of the treaty, he beefed up his military, started work on a naval fleet, and even created Germany's air force. Then, on the Western Front, he ordered his new military to occupy the demilitarized zone between Germany and France. For the Allies, the name of the game was appeasement. No one wanted another war, and since the Rhineland technically belonged to Germans before, they figured, hey, what's the harm? And sure, Hitler had a little army, but maybe it was unfair of us to say that they could be the only country in Europe without a military. So they made these compromises to prevent further issues. Instead, Hitler just got bolder and bolder. In 1938, German forces marched into Austria and took the country without issue. Not a single bullet was fired, and most of Austria seemed to actively welcome the Germans into their country. And again... The Allies did nothing, and suddenly, Hitler felt like the big guy on campus. This dude felt unstoppable. So, early on, everyone was thrilled in Germany. Hitler had reestablished the military, he had taken back the land it lost, and he had also solved the country's unemployment problem, although that last one has an asterisk next to it, because he basically, his solution was to just force everyone to join the military. Right, 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 right. But the the main point is, support was high and people were stoked. Then came the Sudeten crisis. And we talked about it briefly last week, but let's take a little closer look. The Sudetenland was a long strip of land between Germany and Czechoslovakia that was home to quite a few Germans. And funny enough, it was also home to a bunch of Czechoslovakia's weapons, fortifications, and a hell of a lot of raw materials. Hitler wanted Sudetenland, and he wanted it bad. When the two countries couldn't come to a formal agreement, the Nazis decided to scare the Czechs. They launched a full-scale propaganda campaign aimed at drumming up support for an invasion of Czechoslovakia. Here's the thing. Invading Czechoslovakia would be an actual act of war. In response, Czechoslovakia, Britain, and France decided to fire up their own armies. And the message was clear. Appeasement was allowed to an extent, but eventually Hitler was going to push it too far and cause an all-out war. And the leaders of German's military did not want this. 
Going to war was inevitable, especially if they were going to conquer as much of Europe as they planned to, but the country wasn't ready for war. They believed that they should quit while they were ahead so that when shit hit the fan, they'd be fully prepared. The Fuhrer ignored their advice. No one was as angry as General Major Hans Oster. uh, Well, actually, except for Czechoslovakia. They were probably pretty upset about it uh, now that I think about it. Um, But General Major Hans Oster was mad enough to actually do something about it. He decided that if Germany was forced into war over the Sudetenland, that he was going to kill Adolf Hitler and seize power in a bloody coup. Fortunately and unfortunately, uh, the Allies allowed Hitler to be appeased again. Um, Without allowing input from Czechoslovakia, Britain arranged for Germany to take back the Sudetenland and even turned a blind eye the next year when the Nazis invaded the rest of Czechoslovakia. But this wasn't the first plan to kill the Fuhrer, and it certainly wouldn't be the last, which brings me to my new favorite segment, the list of people who also claim to have tried to kill Adolf Hitler. Yes. Um, I uh, Clearly, I borrowed this segment from you, Paige, <laughs> uh, just because I found a fun little Wikipedia article. Um, and there are a bunch, a bunch of assassination attempts. Uh, and there will probably be more once we figure out how time travel works. Um, <laughs> but for now, I'm just going to give you the hits. Starting with the first plot to kill Hitler before he took over Germany. In 1932, right before Adolf was appointed chancellor, he and several other top Nazi officials stayed at the Hotel Kaiserhof in Berlin. Shortly after dinner, they all started shitting their brains out and vomiting uncontrollably. They had been poisoned. Damn. However, it didn't seem like anyone... It doesn't seem like... However, it doesn't seem like anyone died, and Hitler himself was pretty unaffected because uh, he was a vegetarian and was eating from a different meal plan. Mmm... On March 21st, 1943, General Major Gersdorf volunteered for a plot to assassinate the Fuhrer as well. He was selected to give Adolf a tour of a new exhibit at a local museum. He strapped two bombs to his chest, set off a 10-minute delay, and then planned to hug Hitler right as the (laughs) bombs went off. Forbidden hugs! (laughs) The hug of death! Unfortunately, Hitler was in a hurry and finished the exhibit in under nine minutes. Oh, no. General Major Gerstorf was able to defuse the bomb in the bathroom at the last second and also narrowly avoided suspicion before he was safely returned to the Eastern Front. On November 16th, 1943, a similar plan was set in motion. Apparently, anytime the Nazi uniforms dropped, the the Fuhrer liked to have a personal fashion show. (laughs) He would sit back and admire the fits on a bunch of young, hot Aryan studs. Uh, Probably the same dudes from the fuck castle, so. Yeah, probably. The assassin would wear a backpack full of explosives and then detonate them as he gave the Fuhrer a hug. Um, okay, here's the thing. A lot of these assassination attempts, a lot of hugs, a lot of hugs. A lot of yeah. hugs. I don't know 
why, but I have to assume that it's because Adolf Hitler was a where's my hug kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, The assassin in this plot was a model whose real name was. Okay, hold up. (sighs) He was a model whose real name was Axel Ernst August Klamar Franz Albrecht Eric Leo Vreihar von dem Brusch Streichhorst. Wow. Yeah. That is... um, And I thought Mexicans had long names. So. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. Have I introduced you to my cousin? Angel, Ernesto, Augustus, uh, Christopher, Rodriguez, Maria, <laughs> Santa Muerte the third. <laughs> Yeah, that's Santa Muerte the third. That's his that's real cool. name. I'll read it off again. Axel Ernst August Klamar Franz Elbrecht Eric Leo Freeherr von dem Buscht Streichhorst. Dang. Oh, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine von dem ten, eleven names in one whole name. God, too many names. Um too many. It's important to note two things. First, Hitler's top advisors believed that the country wouldn't be ready for war until 1943. Starting shit before then, they believed, would almost certainly mean defeat. But the appeasement ended in 1939 when the Fuhrer decided to invade Poland. As per their treaty obligations, Britain and France declared war and World War II was off to the races. A whole three, no, what is that? Four years before they determined that they would be ready for war. And secondly, all three of these goofy-ass assassination plots were planned by resistance leaders who were actively serving the German military. In fact, General Major Hans Oster, who we covered first, became the head of the rebellion happening within the ranks of the Nazi army. But Hitler's men weren't the only ones trying to raise a little hell. As World War II raged on, it seemed like Germany was doing better than expected. Before invading Poland, Hitler had created the dream team of evil dictator dickheads. He had a treaty with Stalin in the Communist Soviet Union and a partnership with Mussolini in fascist Italy. With the Red Giant and the scrappy Italian Stallion protecting him in the East and South, he was able to focus all his efforts on the Western Front. Germany was able to take Belgium, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, France, and half of Poland, which they split with the Soviets. But again, this just made Hitler bolder and bolder and convinced him to take bigger risks. In 1941, he made two big swings that resulted in two massive strikes. Uh, Firstly, he started planning for an invasion of Britain. He tried to establish superiority over the English Channel, but was unable to defeat the incredibly yoked-out Royal Air Force and Navy. Nice. Second, he decided to follow through with his plan of attacking the Soviet Union. Um, Oh, no. Figuring... I mean, oh, yes, because thank God it helps defeat them, but, like, that's a horrible plan. Absolutely. He thought that Britain was going to fall soon, which it super would not... Um, So he decided that it was time to start a war on the Eastern Front. Unfortunately for him, the Soviets were tougher than he expected. Germany started its invasion in the summer, but by the time that winter rolled around, they still hadn't captured Moscow. 
and the harsh cold made it almost impossible for the Germans to fight. But the Soviets, who were used to inhuman levels of cold, were doing just fine. (laughs) They really didn't give a shit. Stalin's forces were able to push the Germans back and even captured some new territory themselves. Up until this point, moral... Up until this point, morale and trust in the Nazi party had been pretty high. Hitler was able to accomplish things that Germany had failed to do in World War I, and people thought that there was a chance they could come out victorious. But as they continued to have their asses handed to them in the East, people realized just how little Hitler cared about the soldiers' lives. Over 200,000 troops lost their lives because Hitler refused to retreat or to postpone the war until after winter. Suddenly, even the everyday citizen was starting to doubt the Fuhrer and his goals. And now normally the Nazis, who were terrified of another stabbed in the back situation, would try to use propaganda to soothe its worried citizens. Instead, because they were already in the middle of a war, they just said, fuck them. They were just like, yeah, go fuck yourself. You don't agree with me. Any form of protest against the Nazi regime from disobeying orders to disagreeing with the war was now punishable by a trip to the concentration camps. But as the Allies got closer and closer, it became harder to police Germany's citizens and their disorganized bouts of protest. Rebel groups were scattered throughout the country, and unlike the anti-fascists in Italy, there wasn't a singular resistance movement leading the fight back home. Instead, the Nazis were undermined and sabotaged from pretty much every single group that they had tried to suppress. (laughs) I mean, they did like a reverse Rome, when you think about it. (laughs) The communists, whose goal so far had only been to not get captured decided to actively rebel once Germany invaded the Soviet Union. They used their own propaganda and rebel groups to... uh, They used their own propaganda and secret channels to spread news of the horrible atrocities the Nazis were committing. They even formed groups like Antifa to fight the SS in the streets and to help anyone in need. Speaking of which, women who had been pulled from their lives to become mothers and then forced back into the military once the deaths were starting to pile up were also a huge part of the German resistance to the Nazi party. Women were known to march in the streets and protested loudly and proudly because arresting and killing woman, women ugh, because arresting and killing women was a bad look and they knew it. It was actually sort of an ingenious plan mm-hmm. uh, because you could pretty much do whatever you wanted and people were just like, oh, please stop. Please. <laughs> Weirdly enough, one of the most motivated and physically aggressive rebellions came from none other than the Catholic Church. <laughs> you don't expect them to sometimes be an almost hero, but you know what? Yeah. Good on you. Determined to fight for their faith, Catholics risk their lives to defend their churches and to practice their religion in secret. The Vatican was even known to send secret agents into Germany with supplies to keep the fights going. Um, The Catholic Church in this era, at this time, in this place, 
did a lot of good shit. They uh, they helped a lot of people. Um, they were known to uh, be, a, 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 what was it? Like, sort of like um, an underground railway type system for helping get Jews out of Germany. Um, they also kept practicing their religion even when it was uh, punishable by death or being sent to a concentration camp. And also, I don't know if you're able to attest to this. I feel like Andrea would be able to to better uh, sort of confirm it. But I read that there are like a number, a big number of Catholic saints that were people that were killed in the Holocaust. Yeah, that's that's a little outside of my purview because I didn't grow up with saints. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, growing up protestant uh as a kid there was a lot of like reading books about people who helped jews out and like like really talking up the people who helped during the holocaust uh as opposed to the nazis which i would assume i would hope everyone gets those stories but you know i guess maybe that's not the case yeah Heading into 1944, it became clear to everyone that the Nazi regime was destined to fail. The Allies marched closer and closer to Berlin, and resistance groups fought with the SS in the streets. This is also when Germans of all backgrounds were known to hide and aid Jews because everyone had been horrified to learn about what the Nazis were up to. Forced to cower in the Fuhrer bunker, Adolf Hitler watched his empire crumble. Angry beyond belief and still refusing to admit defeat, he, he ordered a scorched earth decree. Transport, infrastructure, industries, and sources of raw materials were ordered to be destroyed. If the Nazis couldn't have it, then no one could. Luckily, this time, his followers had learned their lesson. A majority of Hitler's top advisors and aides would take orders from Hitler and then just not give them to anybody (laughs) to prevent him from further destroying the country. Nobody wanted people to lose their lives needlessly. Nobody wanted to destroy the countryside. They were just like, yeah, just let him tire himself out in his little fucking bunker and... That's it, man. Let's just try to figure out. Also, within the bunker, by the way, uh, there was assassination attempts still being made by his top (laughs) brass. People who were like, look, I know they're going to come and get us, but like, I want to be the one to kill this son of a bitch. (laughs) Wasn't there one with a briefcase? That was the July 20th assassination plot that took place in 1944 before it was before he moved to the Fuhrer bunker. It was in the Wolf's Lair. And that one was also planned by General Major Hans Oster, the guy from before. <laughs> the same guy, the hug guy. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he, he planned to, uh, they, they had a briefcase filled with explosives, brought it into the bunker, uh, and then because of a very inconvenient placement of the briefcase, it was pushed aside with a shoe, and when it went off, it only killed one stenographer, uh, made the guy that was next to it lose like both of his legs, and only sort of injured Hitler. Uh, I think he went mm. permanently deaf in like one of his ears, and then like mm. had some shrapnel, but unfortunately, the dude survived. Uh-uh-uh. By the end of the war... Hitler was a wreck. 
His soldiers refused to die a needless death. His top brass was constantly strapping bombs to themselves and trying to hug him. (laughs) And even his personal health was quickly deteriorating. By 1944, Hitler was suffering from... Oh, sorry. By 1944, Hitler was suffering from a long list of ailments, including partial deafness, chronic stomach issues, Parkinson's disease, and a whole bunch more uncomfortable shit. In order to keep himself going every day, he took a cocktail of drugs that included large amounts of potassium, nightshade, barbiturates, opiates, cocaine, and methamphetamines. And at some points, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't even know what he was taking. He had a physician who basically would just inject him with whatever the cocktail was for the day. Yeah, he would just take whatever was given to him because he doesn't have time to think about it. Also, he's in constant pain all the time, which is like, Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of great. Hooray, but also... Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. There's also there's reports that uh towards the end of his life as he was taking more and more amphetamines, um, you know, to to counteract the ailments. It wasn't like it wasn't something he was doing for fun. It was just increased doses that happened from his physician. That's probably has a lot to do with why he was getting increasingly paranoid and refusing to do the smart thing, which would be to surrender to the Allied forces. Yeah. Um, honestly, any number of these things could have killed Hitler. It could have been the bomb. It could have been his Parkinson's or his, uh, you know, his other ailments. It could have been the fucking massive amounts of amphetamines that he's taking. It could have been anything. But at the rate that the Soviets were approaching Berlin, it was clear that it would probably be an enemy soldier. On April 30th, 1945, at the age of 56, Hitler learned that the Soviets were only two blocks away. He and his wife, Eva Braun, locked themselves in his bunker and committed suicide. She took a cyanide capsule, and he chose to shoot himself with his pistol. When the bunker was infiltrated, his remains were dragged outside, placed in a bomb crater, covered with petrol, and burned. After nine long years in power, Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime finally came to an end and this concludes our way too long series on adolf hitler and the nazi party or he escaped to argentina we don't have time to talk about the conspiracy theories but yeah no we don't have time to talk about them but i've told you uh i talked to Paige a bit about this i would love to come back and do a bonus episode um maybe just like a one-off where we sort of cover all the weird conspiracies and mystical shit that surrounds the Nazi party because it's so interesting. Uh, But again, we had so much to cover and six episodes barely was able to do most of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, this guy sucks. I mean, he he does suck. Uh, I'm glad that we're we're finished with it though. I'm excited to move on to the series that we've got coming up next, which is going to be book Absolutely. So it's going to be great. Yeah. Oh my god. Six whole weeks, Paige. Six whole weeks we I know. spent. Six whole weeks. <sighs> I can finally return to normal life. I can finally yep. tell people. I've had to tell people. People have been like. 
Do you understand what this has done to me, Paige? Do you understand how many times throughout the last few months somebody's been like, hey, Armando, do you want to play Halo? And I go, no, I got to read this Hitler book. And they go, well, that's cool. <laughs> I don't ever want to do anything with you ever again. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so, yeah, oh. I'm so glad that we were able to do this to sort of cover it. And uh, I hope we still have fans. I haven't been looking at the numbers. I hope people still oh, give a shit. Let me take a look. I looked last week and it looked normal, but let me take a look at this week and see what's up. Yeah, they're still there. Good, good, good. <laughs> I uh, I have absolutely no idea how anyone has reacted to listening to six episodes on the Nazis. And uh, <laughs> thank God we're done and we can go back. This started as a white Christmas joke. We started at the beginning of December. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, hey, look, if you want to uh, support the show uh, and, and sort of... Uh, <laughs> reward us for talking about the nazis for six straight weeks um you should uh check out our patreon go to patreon.com slash cult podcast to check out all of the wonderful tiers and rewards we have there and also if you're looking for a new place to show to to show if you're uh oh the vaccine's kicking in oh no that's the 5g oh god my reception is amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's either the yeah, it's either the the it's either the vaccine or the edible that I popped before we started recording. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to listen to the show somewhere new, can we suggest Rooster Teeth? Cock a doodle doo. Go to roosterteeth.com. Check out all of the uh, the shows that they have there. You can also download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, your mobile device, all that sweet shit, and listen to the show. And that does help support us. And uh, I realized I haven't been uploading episodes there, so I will go remedy that. <laughs> um, hey, look. If you're trying to find me on social media, I'm extremely easy to find. You can go to at Mondo does stuff on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that cool shit, uh, and check out the stuff that I'm doing. I have a couple projects coming up that I'm excited about. Um, I will be announcing them here and there when I have more news, uh, but I don't really have any shows coming up. Uh, everything's sort of starting to get canceled, and uh, I'm fine with it, honestly. I'm fine with it. But uh, yeah, go check that stuff out. Go check out socials. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. God, I can't wait to go watch Inglorious Bastards. Good night. <laughs> hey, it's your girl, Paige. I'm here every week. Uh, Roast Battle's not canceled yet. So uh, July 27th at Madame Siam in Hollywood. Uh, I'll post more information on Instagram as I have it. I posted the ticket link a couple days ago. Uh, you can get tickets at supernovacomedy.com. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, feel free to send me all of the TikToks of dudes chopping wood or girls crocheting cool mm-hmm. shit. Uh, thank you. Bye. I love you. Bye. 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 Also, if you like this show, you should check out Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod. Uh, both yes. shows that include Paige Wesley. Also, Blackheart Rehab. 
Um, and all of those shows are very, 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 very good and very, 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 very fun. So go check those out. Thank you. Uh, and tell Todd that this is his uh, plug and that he needs to release my family. I want my family back, Todd. Give me my family. No, I just... I just love Todd and Mikey and Paige, so <laughs> it's a good show. Also, go check out Podvant Guard. It's hosted by former host of the show, Andrea Gazetta. They cover a bunch of art history stuff. It's really awesome. And uh, Andrea has a Patreon for that and for her personal artwork that you should go check out in sport. If you like art, go check it out. Yeah, if you like cool stickers, uh, definitely join Andrea's Patreon because she sends you stickers. Yeah pretty much every month that's to great learn more go visit her on instagram at andrea gazetta or on uh twitter at sundress comic um and if you want to follow our show you can on instagram at cult podcast or on twitter at cult podcast show you can also send us a uh an email to cult podcast show at gmail.com or if you want to send us your written out plans for how you would have killed Hitler, preferably drawn in crayon diagrams, then you can send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, like, like the, shining. the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. I just popped two edibles in my mouth. <laughs> I watched you do it. I was like, oh, he's going to enjoy <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. Woo! I'm talking about the bear Jew coming out of the tunnel with the baseball bat. Do you know that was supposed Hell to be Adam Sandler? Yeah. I did know it was supposed to be Adam Sandler because I did coverage on that script back when it was 400 pages long. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? Damn good script. Like if you can find the published version, worth it. I'm absolutely um, going to try. One of my favorite, by the way, one of my favorite YouTube videos is the scene where the bear Jew is clinking against the, the tunnel with uh, the baseball bat and then yeah. right before it comes out it pauses and you hear an echoed shabadoo oh no <laughs> in the original script that i read when it was still shooting there was a whole extra storyline of the bear jew going house to house in his jewish mm -hmm. neighborhood and having people write the names of their relatives that were in germany on that bat and it gives that bat so much more significance but yep. anyway uh, if you, I would say for this episode, I would say, I'd say don't drink anything anyone hands Hitler. It's probably <laughs> poison or at a minimum meth, like at a minimum it's meth. Yeah. And, the spectrum is, is poison meth bomb. <laughs> yeah. 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 And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Yeah. I'm never hugging anyone with a backpack again. <laughs> <laughs>